Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. <laughs> I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. You know, Adam, that embarrassment uh, I felt very keenly recently. Um, I am uh, in the process of prepping a shoot for mm-hmm. a client that is a medical device company, and... Because they make a medical device, there are lots of regulations and rules and very serious people that make sure that they are following those rules. Right. And I've been on a couple of conference calls now with uh, with this client where it's just very, very boring because so many little pieces of minutia have to be gone over. And I'm only involved in... Uh, one part of a very large project, so mm-hmm. often I'll I'll have to listen to 45 minutes of stuff that has nothing to do with me before we get to something that I have anything to contribute to on one of How these How many calls. people are on these calls? Is it like one of those rat's nest conference calls? Yeah, yeah. This is Where like, like someone forgets to mute their phone and you're listening to them like feed their cat or something? Yeah, it's, it's rough. And yeah. the other day we were on a call that went about an hour and a half it was like e. it was the mother load of boring conference calls <laughs> my my portion of this call the portion for which it made any sense for me to be on the phone was about 20 minutes at the end and fortunately about half the group had signed off at this point but we're talking to a bunch of you know very serious professional people that work at a medical device company and a couple of colleagues uh, at a couple of companies on the uh, consultant side that hired me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's clients all the way down. And (laughs) this woman at the the device company uh, has... You know, we've we've gone over some materials that I prepared for them, and one of the things I prepared was a, a YouTube video that had some some clips that I thought would. I, I'm getting to a, a punchline here, but <laughs> some 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 clips. This is for, one of the longer walks through a forest for us. Some clips that we had to look at, and she said, uh, right as we were signing off the call, you know, Ben, as I uh, searched for that YouTube you sent. I somehow came across your Twitter, and I just wanted to extend my condolences that the failing New York Times has never mentioned your Star Trek podcast. Ooh. In reference to a dumb tweet <laughs> that I did a couple of weeks ago. I have no idea how, how that came up in her. Like, there's I, I can't get to her finding that tweet in, like, the process of searching for a YouTube clip. I'm exquisitely embarrassed <laughs> and in front of all of these serious people that, you know, need to take me seriously as a an important contributor to, to the call. <laughs> you know how you can hear someone smile on the other end of a phone call? Like yeah. Like how there's that thing that happens? Like, can you hear embarrassment? 
If you can't see them, I think you probably can. Well, she could probably hear the sound of me literally crawling out of my skin. It's one of those things where it's like, you can't defend it because, like, I do have a Star Trek podcast, but that not is not necessarily evident in the in the joke as I wrote it. Just I wrote, like, a Donald Trump-style tweet. The failing New York Times has failed to... has, has uh, you know, has has never mentioned my Star Trek podcast. Very biased and unfair. Sad. <laughs> and, and but I didn't want to be like, oh, well, I do have a Star Trek podcast, and they haven't mentioned. Do you have the relationship with this person where you can crack wise with each other, or was this totally I have, out of nowhere? I have never met this person. Wow. Yeah. This is the first time I ever talked to them. Is it going to be awkward next time? <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, Adam. Was that the end of the call? Like, okay, see ya. Yeah. That's how it ended. Ouch. I don't know how you can make that right. I don't know. I might quit the job over this. (laughs) Instead of put myself in a position to face this person. Will you eventually have to face this person? I don't know. Like, that's the thing is you're you're also... Like, I I was so so far from having heard people introduce themselves at this point that I couldn't really keep track of who I was talking to. Yeah. So I might be, you know, you didn't I might even know who this person is. I might be in, in like a hotel bar in New Delhi, India in a month. And this person may introduce themselves to me. And that would be like the second time we interact. You know, what you need to do is chamber a Costanza style comeback and you can start doing the research for that <laughs> oh, now. Oh, yeah. Like comb through her Twitter feed. <laughs> see if she's ever uh, quipped anything similar to that. And then you throw it right back in her face. The, yeah. The first piece of research I would need to do would be find out who that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's always step one, right? <laughs> She I don't she think that there drive is a comeback. By shot you. Yeah, she really did. You don't know who it was. Yeah. Like like and I also don't know that there's a comeback because I do have a Star Trek podcast. There's no denying that fact. We we chose not to do this anonymously. Probably probably a big mistake on our part. <laughs> hey lady, the failing New York Times called. They uh they're not reviewing your podcast cast <laughs> or, or whatever whatever you, you do in your free time it, yeah the thing that you're most embarrassed about serious person who probably has like an ivy league postgraduate degree and does really important work the medical community known for their sense of humor yeah she gave you a shot and didn't even have the courtesy to numb you up <laughs> Well, I'm uh, I'm like red in the face even talking about this incident, Adam. So, so what do you say we get on to something that I am also embarrassed to talk about? Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, let's go ahead and turn the page to season five, episode nineteen, the first duty. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. Entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So, a entrepreneur is going to planet Earth, sector zero zero one, Adam, because Captain Captain Picard is going to be delivering the commencement address at Starfleet Academy. Big big deal. 
who spoke at your commencement address? So at my at my university, we had Winton Marsalis, which was awesome because he said about five sentences and then just played trumpet for a while. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and he's like really good at playing trumpet, so it was just like... Right on. <laughs> I love the whole, like, you know, I don't really communicate emotionally through my words. Instead, yeah. I like to use my music. Mm-hmm. Ours was Desmond Tutu. No way. <laughs> and he fucking killed. Wow. He killed, like, in a stand-up comedy parlance. He was amazing. That's pretty I, s- I loved him. That's pretty I cool. I loved and love him. He's great. Uh, Seems that's... like a good get to get Picard, right? Yeah. Do yeah. you think... Earth people are st- are still a little uh, apprehensive about him and the whole acutest thing. Like last, yeah, that's the, literally the last time he was at <laughs> yeah. Earth, right? <laughs> Didn't go so well. Uh, their memories of him might be still pretty fresh. <laughs> yeah, I, can you imagine? Yeah. Like that's his icebreaker. He steps up to the mic, up to the lectern, and he's like, "You know, the last time I was here, I tried to kill all of you." <laughs> e, and then he like pulls on his collar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he completely misreads the <laughs> idea of starting with a joke. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Picard is good enough that he can be like Louis C.K., <laughs> where he like intentionally loses the audience and then gets yeah. him back. Yeah, he he digs himself out of the hole. He's good like that. Yeah, I mean, his, I think he can do it. It's sort of part of when you're when you turn yourself into lawyer Picard. That's sort of part of the deal. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that's going to be popping off is there's going to be a flight demonstration by a a uh, like a blue angels type thing that wesley crusher is in wesley the boy the boy young wesley crusher my son and everybody's really excited about that yeah it's it's sort of interesting that the idea of aerial displays are still done by people in the cockpit, right? And there's so much autopilot in airplanes already yeah. in our time that, like, what what human error could even factor in three or four hundred years from now? Everyone knows that the best drivers are the youngest drivers. And so what the what Starfleet Academy does is they 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 staff their flight unit with these young people, including Wesley and the rest of his flight team, and uh, there's a little bit of an oopsie during one of their most recent practices. Yeah, so the captain gets called away from the bridge. He has to go take a private call from a blue-haired old admiral in the, uh, in the ready room. And she gets up on the FaceTime, and she's like, listen. There's been an accident. And uh, it's like, <laughs> I was like, this is like a fake news like clickbait headline yeah. there's been an accident involving wesley crusher she totally makes it sound like he's dead yeah and then we smashed a theme song it's a little misleading Fucking fake news yeah sad <laughs> yeah they come back from commercial and uh wes is a little busted up notably <laughs> uh he's got a fractured arm maybe some bruising Hurt feelings, certainly, yeah. because someone on his, uh, one of the other pilots died. Right. So he was in this, in this, he's on this team called um, Nova Squadron. They do, you know, close formation f- flying for, I guess, the Academy Air Show that <laughs> is somehow happening in conjunction with the graduation. 
and the one cadet bought the farm in a in a flight accident that the other four narrowly escaped by using their emergency transporter beams and uh there's like a there's a lot of hubbub about this there's going to be you know a memorial service there's going to be a hearing they're looking into it and uh the mood is really grim around starfleet academy right yeah, it's supposed to be happy, fun graduation times, and instead, it's pretty dour. Yeah, it's like getting caught, you know, plagiarizing your final paper right before you're supposed to graduate. Like, everything's called into question. Except someone dies in the process of that plagiarism. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Wesley is acting weird, like, from jump. Like, Picard and the doctor go see him in his dorm room. I was so worried about you. How are you feeling, Wesley? First door we've seen in a long time that just swings on a hinge. <laughs> and has a manual handle, a manual crank. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my crank is manual, but... <laughs> sure. I just, I live here in the 21st century, so... Yeah. I mean, frequently the dorms on campus of any college are are the shittiest building on campus. So I sort That's of... true. I sort of get that the manual door vibes are happening here. There's it's also a super tall door. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's like it's like a good eight, nine feet tall. Do you think the tall door is sort of an ADA thing? Like there are super tall aliens, so you want Oh so in yeah. a in a dorm environment you want a tall a, a door that accommodates all comers. If there's a cadet from Mr. Hom's planet, right. you're gonna want to accommodate that person. Yeah, totally. Well if that's the, the case, do you think they have uh, they have a knee toilet, like sort of <laughs> like how when you go to some countries you get a toilet and a bidet, at Starfleet Academy you get a toilet and a knee toilet. You mean for that type of alien that Kirk kicks in the knee in yep. undiscovered country? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think those guys are in Starfleet. Yeah, they're pretty bad dudes. They're bad hombres. Yeah, yeah they're bad hombres. <laughs> um, the only the. Uh, the arm is not the only thing on Wesley that has been badly injured, Adam. He also has maybe the worst haircut we have ever seen on the program. Oof. That's, it's the <laughs> truth. I mean, he has he has the most severe Star Trek sideburns maybe we've seen on the show. That That quality is shared by all of the Academy people that we see in this episode. But he also has, like... Did this, was this ever a thing when you were growing up, like the shaved sides and the longer top that would sort of drape over those shades, shaved sides? Wes, yeah, Wes but has the got sides it on the, aren't shaved. Yeah, it's, he's it's got just it in the, the back. back. It's, uh, it's like he, he shaved the back of his neck halfway up his head. It's an undercut in all the wrong places. Yeah. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because so often in this episode we see him in a... In a one-quarter shot over his shoulder, and it's just in full relief. <laughs> it's so fucking bad. Yeah. Wesley uh, Wesley is in no mood to talk to the captain and his mommy, so he kicks them out, and in comes uh, the, the guy that is the leader of his squadron. And there's kind of the ominous, like, we got to get our stories straight, buddy, kind of conversation. Yeah, and especially when it's right off the heels of Wesley kicking Picard and his mother out of his dorm room. Will you excuse us, please? 
Nick and I have some things we need to talk about. In sort of right. a, a strange way, that sort of bang bang really underscores that there's some shit going down. So I think this is about when we get Picard wandering around the grounds of Starfleet Academy. He's like out on the quad and he comes upon a very old man. And this is an old man that he established in description when Wesley was like leaving for the Academy. This is Boothby, the groundskeeper of Starfleet Academy, who is like for some reason incredibly important to to Patrick Stewart's character and I think winds up being important to uh to Benjamin Sisko and Captain Janeway also <laughs> like for some reason he's the guy that ties all of the captains together oh I didn't know that yeah yeah like Sisko fucking loves him some Boothby and I'm pretty sure Janeway does too if you want to be a credible Starfleet captain, does your career have to go through Boothby? I think, yeah, like, like he's, he's like the guy that you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know that you need to know that guy. He never takes any of the credit, but he's like, he's a kingmaker. Okay, this is the guy behind the guy behind the guy. I really like the concept of making people in insignificant roles significant to people who go on to do great things Mm -hmm. like in a perfect future scenario you would expect starfleet people to hang out with starfleet people and turn into career starfleet people and then that is like sort of their homogenous social and professional circle but right well we have this like i mean like we live in a society with very stratified class structure yeah and it's very hard to, like, think outside of that. Yeah. But, like, I guess if there's no money in the future, like, there's no, there's nothing, like, Boothby doesn't necessarily have a lower status than Picard, you know? In a weird way, like, they're kind of co-equal. If Boothby is, like, doing his thing at the, at the height of his ability, then, like, and and also like Boothby never caused a wolf three five nine or anything <laughs> like that. So so in a lot of ways he's like a better person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you made my point for me. It's just there's no difference between them. They're both doing the things that they excel at in completely mm-hmm. different areas and helping each other in the process. So there's some kind of oblique talk in this scene about some bad thing that Picard did when he was in school. Got in trouble, got over it. Yeah, the idea is that Boothby Boothby knows. Like, Boothby may, may only be the groundskeeper, but he's got his finger on the pulse of everything that happens on Academy grounds. And so Picard hits him up for intel on Nova Squadron, and he he doesn't really answer the question entirely, but he's like, yeah, Nova Squadron's the shit. Everyone looks at them as gods. Uh, but he sort of trails off at the end like but they they have some issues and then they sort of pivot into picard's relationship with boothby and how maybe he didn't have a super squeaky clean academy experience either right so boothby uh boothby's given him some something to chew on and uh and also just like giving him a little trip down memory lane so we cut to the like inquiry situation and the deal is they've got this old lady admiral, the blue hair, 
and like a super rumpled Vulcan captain <laughs> looking into what went wrong in this flight maneuver and the and the like four surviving members of Nova Squadron are essentially like there in the hot seat. You also have uh the deceased father Right. Who has some real resting grief face going on. He really does. He's like cast for his ability to transmit grief without speaking much. <laughs> he looks like he has just seen the video from the ring and <laughs> and just carries that vibe throughout. Yeah. So a couple things I wanted to talk about with this scene. One is why Nova Squadron so white? Mm. Why is everybody in this episode white? They're not only white, but like the most homo sapien. Like the one person who has a little bit of nose bridge loaf is clearly like half human, half loaf. You know, like yeah. like it's not a it's not a strong genetic uh, yeah. disposition toward alien. She's got a a dab of Bajoran in her right. in her lineage, but not enough mostly... to wear the earring. Yeah, I think that even the Germans could look past this loaf. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're easily getting through American customs right now. <laughs> Just breezing on through. Mm-hmm. They don't even bring up the loaf. No. And what's the purpose of your loaf? <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, do you have any uh, plants, animals, or loaf <laughs> in your checked luggage? You only need to declare loaf worth more than ten thousand dollars. <laughs> it's just a it's just a lily white episode, Adam. Like they made zero effort to depict Starfleet Academy as being anything but a rich white people place. That's tough because anytime they have to cast a large number of people, for instance, on Alt Biosphere. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, most of the extras were white Um, in this episode. It's just as white in the background. It's it's maybe whiter. Yeah. Like, it's it's weirdly homogenous. Like, kind of, like, it's upsettingly homogenous, I will even say. Starfleet Academy is in San Francisco. One of, one of the diverse cities in the world. Well, growing less diverse all the time, I should say. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this is maybe maybe we are maybe we're in on the trajectory for this to become the reality. Like the rich white people in San Francisco are kicking everybody out, and they will build Starfleet Academy. They'll build it right in the tenderloin. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the this is like the first the first hearing, and it's like it's pretty like contentious because there's like. A lot of missing information, but they essentially they're getting the team on record with what their story is. Yeah. And their story is like, we were doing the thing that our flight plan said, and we probably should have said, but the guy that bought the farm has been having, uh, you know, he's been getting nervous during training. Isn't named Joshua? Yeah, he's been listening to a lot of Elliot Smith and... <laughs> <laughs> and like college rock music yeah like when we go to parties like he doesn't he doesn't even party like he'll just play his acoustic off in the corner <laughs> he doesn't want to hang out in the kitchen with the rest of us yeah and picard cannot resist involving himself in this investigation right like people yeah. are getting deposed people are going on the record 
he asks the two pip admiral like do you need any of my help you got the flagship here the admiral's like nah that's good we got it picard <laughs> yeah. goes back up to engineering and and talks to Jordy and data and he's like wesley's one of our own understood sir we'll get right on it oh i can't wait to help they're having a trial down there i gotta be a part of it let's dig up some evidence Let's let's find some bullets and do some uh, some ballistics on them. Yeah. So Jordi and and, uh, and Data like embark on the project of trying to figure out what the f happened, and and he smash cut to like this secret meeting in Wesley's dorm room, which is very nicely appointed, by the way, with uh, with Robert Duncan McNeil and the uh, and the other Lily White members of Nova Squadron, like colluding essentially to continue deceiving the board of inquiry right we all agreed not to lie to them i didn't lie everything i said was the truth the accident was not josh's fault where are all the posters that are supposed to be up in wesley's dorm room yeah he should have like an ironic secret of the use poster <laughs> probably an unironic uh usual suspects poster a really shitty record collection <laughs> Yeah, like half of them he 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 took from the uh, the record library at the college radio station yeah. without really asking. Yeah. But nobody's really looking for them either. No. Yeah, um, it's as it's as plain Jane as his condo was on the Enterprise. It's almost as plain Jane as Data's condo, so Yeah. That gives you an idea. Clearly they're alluding to the the conspiracy amongst themselves to cover up whatever happened. And the viewer at this point still does not know exactly what they are covering up, only that they are attempting to do so. Right. And, and the, and what comes down from the, the squad leader played by Robert Duncan McNeil is just like, knock it off with offering any more information. Don't, you know, they don't have any evidence that they can, used to incriminate us so as long as we just keep saying what we've been saying and stick to the party line we're good we're coasting and so wesley walks out of here like just you know with a pit in his stomach and who should who should want to meet up with him but the commander who's the father of the of the kid that bought the farm (laughs) and uh he he pulls like like maybe the most emotionally fraught move on Wesley that he possibly can, which is, my son borrowed your Coogee sweater. <laughs> he would have wanted you to have it. It still smells like him. <laughs> I can't bear to have it around. <laughs> it smells like that really shitty cologne that everyone wears in college because they don't know how to wear cologne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they put way too much on. Yeah. It smells like CK1. <laughs> you know, you only you only need to shoot a little bit into the air bin and then walk through it. Yeah, you don't you, you don't want anybody to be able to smell it unless you are making out with them. Yes, I had a uh, I had a roommate who used to use Axe body spray, and he would put so much on that I would be in the other room with the door closed, <laughs> and it would make me sneeze. Like, I would start sneezing. I'd be like, why the fuck am I sneezing? And then it would, like, register what was going on. So much Axe body spray. Oh, my God. So gross. Wesley kind of has Axe body spray of haircuts. <laughs> he does. I am the cutest of all. There are 
he and Joshua's dad <gasps> trade a couple of of personal moments. His dad's like, you know, he he really loved being on this team with you, and Wes is like, yeah, we all really liked him too. And there's like that tension, like the tension of the cover-up has permeated this conversation with the dad. Like he can't turn the corner on being fully emotional with him because it's taking all of his resources to keep the wall up on the cover-up, right? It feels like to, to betray any depth of feeling about Joshua to, to his dad would mean the dam breaking and, and the resistance falling and then him not being able to hold it together. That's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. A tough scene. Like, uh, like great subtext in this, in this scene. And I thought, I thought uh, Will Wheaton did a really nice job with it. You know, like almost everything that is happening in this scene is not in the script. And that's when the show is the best, when they put it in the hands of the actors and they allow them to create in the room, which is good. Yeah. So I think the next scene is they show the like the the black box recording from Wesley's cockpit, which cuts out uh, well before the accident. Um, it was uh, weirdly weirdly taped on VHS. <laughs> I think that's strange that they would go back to that technology this far in the future. But you know, who am I to? call into question the choices that Starfleet makes in designing its cockpit recorders. There's a lot of VHS clips in this episode. Did you notice that? Yeah, there are. This isn't the first uh, piece of of footage that they show. What's the angle on this? Uh, it's like it's like over the top of the back of the head. Yeah, it's weird that but, it's like interior, right? Yeah. Like it's it feels like an exterior camera would be more useful. Well, they always want to know if, like, the pilots were doing rails of cocaine or something right before, right before the shit hit the fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, that's got to be weird if you're a pilot, right? Like, you've got to you've got to kind of mind your p's and q's because everything you're saying is being recorded and could potentially be the last thing anybody hears from you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you ever listen to any of that? Any airline crash black box tape stuff? No effing way. That is, uh, as a airplane enthusiast, something that I have made the mistake of doing once or twice Ooh. over the years. <laughs> and that's some heavy stuff, man. I don't recommend yeah. it. No. I, uh, I'm i not that smart, Adam, but I know enough that <laughs> I <laughs> will never do that. Well, I'm, like, I'm really interested in what happens when incidents happen on commercial airplanes and... You know, for a small fraction of them, that stuff is public record. Like right. during the investigation, they'll they'll diagram stuff and they'll do wireframe video of what happens to the plane, and then occasionally they'll include that black box audio, and that's not fun times. No, that would that's that's haunting stuff. You look like Joshua's dad listening to stuff like that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is uh, this is the scene where Wesley kind of describes what they were trying to do, Adam, and what they were what they were doing before before the accident, Adam, was called a Jaeger loop. Perhaps you could call it the Kozinski scale. 
Is that a natural Jaeger? Surely you're not saying it's unexplainable. You'd have to ask Biff himself what that is. <laughs> and uh, I can only hope it's a it's something positional. I miss talking about Biff Jaeger, Adam. Yeah. I feel like we used to talk about Biff Jaeger a lot more on this podcast. Yeah, he deserves to remain a prominent part of our show. Make the greatest generation great again. It's just hard when you're only in eight episodes in season one to carry that through. <laughs> like, I get that. I don't even think he's in eight. Yeah. Is he in eight? I think he's in three. He's in three max. If we can make Kevin... We talk about Uxbridge a lot more than we talk about Jaeger, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, if we can make Uxbridge a, a through line for our show, we can <laughs> keep Jaeger's memory alive. Yeah. Well... The uh, the Jaeger loop is the last thing that Nova Squadron will cop to having done, and uh, the the you know the rumpled Vulcan and the blue haired Admiral are like, well, it's uh, too bad we don't have any uh, any other information. Oh wait, <laughs> we happen to have this grainy convenience store footage from a Seven Eleven. <laughs> On one of Saturn's moons. <laughs> and then he pops the VHS tape into the top loader VHS player that they have on the desk. And it's um, it's an episode of Night Court. And he's like, oh, fuck, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that is not the right tape. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's some fun lawyering here because uh, the Vulcan prosecutor does that or the Vulcan investigator does that thing where he's like uh Mr. Crusher what is this <laughs> how would you describe this maneuver and it is very clearly not the Jaeger loop maneuver that we have been uh, told about previously yeah. it's a uh, they do a good job of kind of getting getting the audience acquainted with the physical relationships between the the airplanes uh, that they're discussing here, yeah, um, and uh, and so like the, the this like ends pretty inconclusively, right? They're it's just that they they know that like that uh, there's some some contravening evidence. Yeah, they're all doing that thing where I I can't explain what that is or what that footage is supposed to be. That doesn't look like anything to me. Is basically what right. they say. Yeah, I can't remember. Where, where, what, what we were doing there? Yeah. Um, so this like this really precipitates shit turning against Wesley, and I think Data and Jordy like tell Picard about how you know the the telemetry from the flight recorder about what was going on in the ship sort of implies that there was some strange stuff going on, and that's how Picard puts it together that they were in fact trying to do this other move called the like the Colvard Starburst. Which is uh, a flavor that we don't have in our time. You know, right now we're limited to lemon, orange, cherry, and and strawberry. Right. Right. Yeah. There's. I think if you go to Thailand or or like Hawaii, <laughs> or like the, Japan, uh, the, yeah. the culvert fruit is is very popular there, and so that's a yeah. candy that you'd only be able to get at their convenience stores. Yeah, I feel like all that stuff comes from Japan, and they just have better and more interesting candy flavors than we do. Yeah, they really do. We're missing out. I just wonder how those companies can make any money with they have so many SKUs, and they're, like, serving the Japanese public, and that's it, you know? Yeah. It seems, like, really complicated to to 
be able to, you know, build a supply chain around something like that. Well, if Starburst could make a fried chicken sandwich flavor Starburst, that's what they would do, because <laughs> that's what Americans crave. Like, right. you're not gonna get, uh, you're not gonna get truck stop people in uh, in Idaho buying Lilacoy flavored high chews. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a tough sell for those those types of people. <laughs> so, so, on the heels of this new evidence, uh, Wes gets called into the principal's office, the principal being Picard. And uh, this is a more formal meeting than they typically have in the ready room, isn't it? This is basically Picard telling Wesley, you need to cop to your shit right now because... You're in big trouble, young man. They are not friendly in this scene. They are they are two professionals having a professional conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Wesley kind of sticks to his guns, you know, like the uh, the the uh, leader character. What's his name? Locarno. Yeah. The, the leader of the of the of the squad really has Wesley and the other two girls wrapped around his pinky finger and has him dancing to his rhythm. So when Picard presents Wesley with this new with this new finding, Wesley is not inclined to, to cop to anything. I choose not to answer, sir. And this really f- causes Picard to flip out on him. Like Picard f- goes goes full, you know, disciplinary and headmaster and he embarks on this speech about how the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth. Would that include the scientific truth? Right, or like historical truth, for example. Right. Or personal truth. Yeah. Um, it like seemed really familiar to me. I couldn't remember where I'd heard it before. There are two parts of this scene that like... that really blew me away the first was like the moment that wes indicates that he's not going to play ball with picard was Mm -hmm. like oh shit like like the first time you see a kid talk back to a teacher when you're young you're like oh my Mm -hmm. god i didn't know you could do that like that there's that kind of chill but then picard just goes full big dog on wes in a way that you never see him do to anyone they foreshadow it a little bit when Wesley walks in and Picard is first confronting him with this new information. They go to an extreme close-up on Picard's face. Yeah. And it's like he is so dominant in the frame. And then when they reverse to Wesley, he's like, you know, at least... He's cowboy. To, yeah, it's like a cowboy shot. And it's, and it's like, it makes Picard look... Ten times the size of Wesley. That's a good call. Yeah, the the compositional choices help enforce that. Yeah, and and like I think even in Wesley's shot, it's like a dirty single. Like like Picard is also in that shot. It's like, like Picard is dominating the whole fucking scene. Yeah, uh, there's not a shot without him in it, and it just it serves to underscore that. Wes is boxed in. The end of the the end of their conversation leads to a point where Picard says, "If you don't cop to it, I will cop to it for you." So, make the right decision. My love is a and 
And so they have like the final hearing and they get almost all the way th- through it. Like, I think they've even like, like officially adjourned the hearing with Wesley having sat there with marbles in his mouth. And then like everybody's like about to stand up and he's like, I have one more thing to add. And yeah, like they, they smacked the bell gavel. Like, like they're, they're going to get off the hook. Is that like a, is that like a naval version of a gavel? Is that what that's from? It seems that way. Yeah. Is if, if you, if you get, court-martialed in the navy do they use that if only we had a way to find out ben well we don't because we are a no research program (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed and that only serves to make like make wesley's choice even more pronounced like he is on the cusp of skating and he does not allow the skate he goes right Right. into the wall of the skating rink on this one well it's it's the right move though because this thing concludes with everybody skating and they would all just be everybody would be suspicious of them forever yeah you know and in this scene he in in coming clean he kind of forces the hand of locarno locarno uh in an off-camera scene goes and like throws himself on the mercy of the board of inquiry he uh manages to keep everybody but himself in the academy like they were going to kick everybody out but he's the only one that gets kicked out wesley's gonna have to like earn his spanish two credit (laughs) all over again but you know he's uh and he's got like some blemish on his permanent record but what's a permanent record that's only something in school right a permanent record only matters to someone who exists in space and time, which soon won't be a problem for young Wesley Crusher. Yeah, that's a good point, Adam. They had the good sense in the in that courtroom scene at the end to not do the four shot reverse shots between Picard and Wesley, like as yeah. they come to the end of the trial, like and you don't get Picard about to get up out of his seat. And what that does is it is it characterizes Wesley's act as more brave instead of uh, blackmail, you know? Right, yeah, he's not He's not moved to stand up because he realizes that he's about to get burned. Yeah. I mean, he knows he knows that's coming one way or the other, but uh, it's, it's not, uh, like, I think he could have done that in private later, and he chooses to do it in the public yeah. forum, you know? Yeah. The sunlight's, the res- sunlight's the best disinfectant. The restraint of how that went down at the end, I thought, was good. Yeah, it's a very well-directed episode, I think. Yeah. It's not as flashy as a, as a Frakes, but it does, uh, it does a nice job. Hmm. Did you like this episode, Ben? I sure did. I thought it was a pretty cool choice to bring back this character and bring him back in a way where it's not all fun and games and it's also not a you know after school special like it's not about how how bad drugs are mm-hmm. it's they're not throwing him any fun fun uh moves like getting to make out with Ashley Judd yeah it's like it's like a a heavy episode without being a cheesy episode 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's more universal to have the message be about how hard it is to tell the truth sometimes than drugs are bad. <laughs> you know, like the truth part is important for everyone. And and it can be extremely difficult to say a difficult truth the way that Wesley has to here. Yeah. Especially, I mean, when someone dies. Like, holy shit, that's that's the worst thing. And it's a buddy. And yeah. and they're all at fault. This is a buddy that was close enough to lend a very expensive Kuji sweater to. <laughs> so you know they were close. There's a scene in this episode that I really liked, and it was between uh, Beverly and Wes, where Bev is, yeah. Bev is like, look, I, I really think that uh, we can help your case. You know, a lot of this isn't making sense. I think we have the full... Uh, support of the Enterprise crew to really dig into the evidence and and make it stronger for your side. And Wes over and over again has to tell her that that she can't involve herself. And, you know, in that moment, she finally, I think she finally realizes that, that it, things are so much worse than she realizes. Yeah. Uh, about what's happened here. And they don't revisit the consequence of that later, which felt a little bit missing to me what what the what you get instead is the scene in the ready room between Picard and Wes but the fallout mm-hmm. between Wes and his mom is not revisited and yeah, it seems like that moment w- had just as many stakes because mm-hmm. i mean Wes is the golden she, she boy she believes in him so much yeah the golden boy her only son her only significant family member to have disappointed her in this way must just be earth-shaking and but we don't get that yeah i would say that the one big big problem i have with this episode is that they hired david duke to be the casting director (laughs) i think that's a shame you know yeah uh, a short-lived job for him Mm -hmm. it's very not hard to do way better (laughs) yep (laughs) it's it's seriously fucking not a big deal to be way, way better about being inclusive. Yeah, it's not like they're shooting this in North Dakota. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, it's set in San Francisco, not Anchorage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to uh, check the voicemail messages? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Uh, Ben, we have two personal priority one messages this episode. Uh, and the first one is from Plavim. And it is for Raz. Message goes like this. This is a way better use of $100 than that crappy strip club in Fort Lauderdale, though we did catch a lot of tuna. Oh, Plevim. That's... That... Come on, man. <laughs> That's not a nice thing a... to say. Give me a break. Well, <laughs> the second prayer torn message is from Plevim, and it is to Raz. Wait, what? 
I'm noticing that the res that it, the first one was to was only with one Z, but the res in the second one here is with two Zs, so maybe a different res. <laughs> Who knows? Let's see what it says. It says, wait, it was Miami Beach, not Fort Lauderdale. Anyway, the strippers at Tony's bachelor party did dirtier stuff. That's where you told me about this podcast. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're hanging around with some with some dudes. There's a there's some there's stripping a, happening. There's a couple a couple of fellas from the Thunder from Down Under show up. Yeah. Start taking their pants off. And that's a good time to discuss your favorite podcast. That's nice. <laughs> I like. These Chippendale dancers aside, Plavim, I have a great recommendation in podcasts for you. <laughs> oh, man. What do you think is the best stripping song to play while talking about a Star Trek podcast? Jeez. <laughs> um, I think Cherry Pie. Like, it just seems so fun. <laughs> that is a fun song. Yeah. And a fun message. I think what this what these two messages do is it it uh, underscores all the strange ways that people find out about our show. Yeah. I mean like that's like literally a situation that I cannot imagine. Like the only things I've ever done in Florida are travel there for work, so that's already pretty difficult for me to imagine like recreating in Florida. And and you add uh, and you add nude men on top of that, mm-hmm. and I'm just I've never I've never experiencing any anything like that. Oh, you're saying men because of the tuna thing, right? You're you're throwing that back at them. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. I will brook no no glancing misogyny on this podcast. Yeah. That we don't accidentally do ourselves. Sure. <laughs> I have been to Fort Lauderdale for work. Uh, not a great time. I would say, <laughs> I would say, in the recreational uh, aspect, God, it was so fucking hot though. Jesus. Yeah. It, I think it was. I think it was June, it, uh. and like, I could not have been sweatier. It, it's. I don't think I've ever been sweatier than that. That's gotta, gotta make. Look at our- it's gonna make the work of a stripper especially difficult. I gotta look at our download numbers and see if we're uh, if we're ever gonna need to b- go uh, do tour appearances in Fort Lauderdale. Oh yeah, so uh, I mean, if our numbers are super high in uh, in FTL, then I think I might want to delete that for our <laughs> for our friends in beautiful Fort Lauderdale, a place I've always loved. Yeah, one of the greats, <laughs> one of the great American cities. Well, if you would <laughs> like to share your podcast origin story with the world. Uh, if you would like to tuck a couple of scarves into the G-strings that Adam and I are wearing. <laughs> then uh, going going to a safe-for-work website is the way to do that. It's MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, <laughs> where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are for $200. Um, it is no joke. That is a significant way that we are able to fund the ongoing production of this program, and we really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? You want to uh, come over here and jiggle me that drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Shake my Isolineer chip maker. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got to give it to the Vulcan 
captain. Um, there's a scene, like in the scene right at the end when Wesley is moved to stand up and and uh, cop to everything. Um, he says when he says the phrase that when he when he admits that they had, were attempting a starburst there is it's like a tight shot on the admiral but you can see the the vulcan captain in the background and <laughs> i think he was he was supposed to be nodding like <laughs> like the truth comes out but the way it reads in the in the take that they used is oh yeah oh no <laughs> <laughs> that's not the tone that's not the tone, dude. <laughs> and it's like a fine performance otherwise, but I just, I uh, I noticed it and it really made me laugh. <laughs> How about yourself, Adam? Did you have a drunk Shimoda? Uh, there were just a number of visual delights this episode when it comes to uh, world building Starfleet Academy. That was like the most fun part of this episode to me. Um, and one of the things that was seared into my eyeballs was the idea that academy uniforms include cargo pants. Yeah. And holy shit. Like when was the last time you wore cargo pants? About the time that this episode came out, probably. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I argued with myself a lot. Once I saw these on screen, I was like, the future has no place for cargo pants. And yet their undeniable utility makes a lot of sense. Like in a future that maybe puts less of an emphasis on looking cool and more of an emphasis on utility. Like mm-hmm. I, I understand the cargo pants comeback, especially in an academy environment. So, well, that said, Adam, this this uh, cadet uniform, while it is not really the same as the as the uniform that they transition to. In uh, Deep Space Nine, it is it is every bit the crime of dumpiness that yeah. <laughs> that that uniform is, and it's like like the and the cargo pant is is the dumpiest of pants, you know. It's like they made a decision like we're not going to have an onset gym around here. Like <laughs> there will be no sub five thousand calorie lunches at our craft services table. Like no way. Yeah. Like they are they're like, we are gonna make our actors as comfortable as possible at the expense of looking good. And that's just how mm-hmm. it is. And those cargo pockets are all jam packed with tater tots. Like <laughs> that's why they're they're sticking out so much. They are not lay flat cargo pockets for sure. No. No, this isn't like the cargo pocket on a 1997 era dress pant yeah they're they're sort of teased out like so much hair full of tots adam <laughs> full of tots Darmok, a good time so often has a downside doesn't it especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie we've all been hung over before i mean many of us have i guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill 
a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is Season 5, Episode twenty. Cost of living, preparing for her wedding aboard the Enterprise. Oh, no. Troy's free-thinking mother. Oh, no, Adam. I thought this was next season. Troy's free-thinking mother causes trouble between Worf and his son. Oh, no. This this is the moment. What have I done? This is the moment this season where you're looking way down the road and you see a car kind of weaving in the distance and it's getting closer and closer, and you think you think you're gonna miss it, 
but it plows right into you, Ben. Oh, our viewers I wrote totally us. Thought that that our, uh, when we counter vetoed each other have a early on. Troike. It doesn't have a Troy pun, Adam. How could I have known? Yeah. Yeah. Hiding in plain sight. A Loxana uh, episode. Fuck. The purloined Loxana. <laughs> One of my is favorite Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> One of my favorite Edgar Allan Poe short stories. Is that the story where, where there's some boobs buried under the floor? And they're like... They're, <laughs> they're just getting louder and louder? The set You're of, thinking of the telltale hum. Uh, <laughs> that was great. The studio audience really appreciated that one. <laughs> well, uh, we have to watch this, Ben. Fuck. This was maybe the most vetoable episode of all episodes in the entire series when people talk about the episodes they hate this is one of two episodes that make that list every time the tops is, of those lists yeah this is an armis a mount armis episode fuck can we like just veto it anyways that's not the rules yeah but of course we make up our own rules i don't think we can i think we should try to record it and if and if we just can't get through it, maybe we, uh, maybe we, bail. we put it on. Maybe we, we bail we, and we talk about Crimson Tide instead. <laughs> you know, I like talking about Crimson Tide, Adam. Yeah, a submarine movie inside of a Loxana Troy episode. <laughs> That's how you hide a submarine. It's not a caterpillar drive, Ben. You put it no. inside of a bad Next Gen episode. <laughs> That's how you sneak past the Russians. Well, that's uh, some some version of what we just said will be our next episode. <laughs> uh, one way our viewers are not being sneaky at all is by chatting us up on the Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Uh, I'm on there as at Cut for Time. Ben is there as at Benjamin R A H R. Uh, our viewership is also super chatty over on Facebook. We've got a a group and a page over there and uh, we've got a couple of of really great reddit pages also uh, r slash greatest gen being one of them and uh, the official r slash maximum fun reddit page good times all around on all of those things we've got merch to buy ben we got mm-hmm. we've got we still have drunk shimoda glasses got a couple of great t-shirts out there we are uh, we're coming up with new merch ideas all the time uh, the Goose, Adam Ragusea, uh, beds a bunch of our bits with his original music. And, of course, our main theme music and interstitial music is uh, produced by the wonderful Dark Materia. Yeah, search for, the, search for Dark Materia online and you can find other fun Trek-related stuff uh, as well. Max FunCon's coming up. I bought my tickets, Ben. I'm, go- hey. I'm going. I'm going to both. I'm going to both also. Nice. Maybe I'll see you there. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> maybe um, maybe we'll get too drunk again. That would be terrific. Hey, let's plan on really tying one on this time. Not like last time. <laughs> we'll do better. You, you, you want to take a page from the Matt Howie playbook? <laughs> Friend of the program, Matt Howie. Uh, I can only hope to drink as much as my friend Matt Howie. 
He's got a tremendous thirst. Yeah, as uh, as I think you called it before, Matt Howie, when he goes to Greatest Gen Con, is truly on nerd rumspring. Yeah. <laughs> as most people are, highly recommend going to Max Fun Con, everyone. Um, well, with that, we will be back at you next week. Another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And an episode of The Greatest Generation that really is fucking unbelievable that we are doing. <laughs> I feel like such a dope. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.